Welcome to the Pilgrim's Odyssey, your guide to life's wild ride. I'm your host, Silwan Green. Every day we share incredible stories and valuable lessons on life and faith. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to share this odyssey with your friends and neighbors so all of us together can let our light shine. Welcome friends to another episode of the Pilgrim's Odyssey. I'm your host Silwan, great to be with you today. We are going to be talking about a 1958 essay written by the great C.S. Lewis called Willing Slaves of the Welfare State. Now that was written in 1958. Obviously C.S. Lewis, who lived in the United Kingdom, England, was writing about the state of his own politics. C.S. Lewis didn't write about politics a lot, but when he did, it was pretty obvious where he stood. Last couple of days, watching what's going on in our country with curfews being imposed, more lockdowns, smart people in government telling us what to do, telling us they're smarter than us, got me wondering, what would C.S. Lewis say about all of this? So I did a little research, and I found this, and I'm like, holy Toledo. Is this not as applicable today as it's ever been? So let me share with you a little bit from C.S. Lewis's 1958 essay, Willing Slaves of the Welfare State. He begins, to live his life in his own way, to call his house his castle, to enjoy the fruits of his own labor, to educate his children as his conscience directs, to save for their prosperity after his death. These are wishes deeply ingrained in civilized man. Now, I'm going to stop real quick, folks. If you think there's anything reactionary or new about homeschooling, living off the land, taking care of yourself, you're ignorant. C.S. Lewis wrote about it in 1958. Educating your children as your conscience direct. Enjoying the fruits of your own labor. Seeing your home as a castle. That's in 1958. And did he say it was a new idea? No, he said it was deeply ingrained in civilized man. The realization is almost as necessary to our virtues as to our happiness. From their total frustration, disastrous results, both moral and psychological, might follow. So that if man got away from the deeply ingrained values that C.S. Lewis saw, educating your children, saving, building things, enjoying the fruits of your labor, he saw the consequences of losing those values as disastrous, both morally and psychologically. So then he goes on to talk about happiness, and I, and I love the words that he uses. He used it in the title of today's program, C.S. Lewis and the Freeborn Mind. I believe a man is happier and happy in a richer way if he has the freeborn mind, and he put that in quotes. But I doubt whether he can have this without economic independence, which the new society is abolishing. 
For economic independence allows an education not controlled by government. And in adult life, it is the man who needs and asks nothing of government who can criticize its acts and snap his fingers at its ideology. You see, folks, the insidiousness as government grows, more people depend upon it and the harder it is to criticize it. And if you think about it today, how many people truly criticize government and how many people really just want government to do things for them that they like? I would suggest, even though America is arguably the most freedom-loving country in the world, we have very few people now who actually have a freeborn mind, whose goal in life is independence, who truly have the ability to criticize government because they don't want very little from it. C.S. Lewis goes on, this next part's really interesting, especially talking about the dangers of government. Because personally, I'm probably like C.S. Lewis, I'm, I'm much more of a libertarian than anything. I don't trust Republicans much more than I trust Democrats. Now, C.S. Lewis is known for being a Christian apologist. Probably the best that's ever lived, in my opinion. And here's what he says. I believe in God, but I detest theocracy. For every government consists of mere men and is strictly viewed a makeshift. If it adds to its commands, thus saith the Lord, it lies and lies dangerously. See, he's saying don't trust anybody in government. Government corrupts. And whether they want power for unrighteous reasons, reasons or righteous reasons, reasons you agree with, it's still bad. Because ultimately, that corruptive influence of government overpowers whatever their good intentions were. He goes on. The question about progress has become the question whether we can discover any way of submitting to the worldwide paternalism of a technocracy. You can watch my pronunciation. Technocracy. Without losing all personal privacy and independence. Is there any possibility of getting the super welfare state's honey and avoiding the sting? Now, this is in 1958. What would you think about a welfare state today? Because America today is much more a welfare state than England was in 1958. And the welfare state of England today is beyond what C.S. Lewis probably could have imagined. But he saw it coming. And, and, and why does he use words like that, a technocracy and, and, and worldwide paternalism? Because government starts to think it knows better than you. But I'm going to go back to what he said earlier. Government is just made up of men. It's just individuals. And evidence shows me they care no more about their families or their neighbors than you or I do. So what makes us think they're going to make better decisions when they come under the power and the ego and the corruptive influence of government? I'm going to end with this quote from his essay. The modern state exists not to protect our rights, but to do us good or make us good. Anyway, to do something to us or to make us something. Hence, the new name leaders for those who were once rulers. We are less their subjects than their wards, pupils, or domestic animals. There is nothing left of which we can say to them, mind your own business. Our whole lives are their business. 
what would C.S. Lewis say about what's going on today? Literally, I read that, and Senator Cory Booker just put up a tweet, I think it was yesterday, and he talked about mask mandates and curfews, and he said to people, don't see these as us taking away your freedoms. That's not what we're doing. It's about love. We love you. We're doing this out of love. Now, I'm going to read again what C.S. Lewis said in 1958. I want you to think about Cory Booker implementing curfews and mask mandates and where you can go to work and where you can't, where you can eat and where you can't, how you worship and how you can't. And by the way, the most restrictive thing a government could ever do is install a curfew. You are not allowed out of your home after this time. If they can do that, they can do anything they want. Now let's look at the C.S. Lewis quote again as it ends. The modern state exists not to protect our rights, but to do us good and make us good, i.e. Cory Booker. Anyway, to do something to us or to make us something. Hence, the new name leaders for those who were once rulers. We are less their subjects than their wards, pupils, or domestic animals. Don't you love it when they start lecturing to us about things that in five minutes you can find anything you want on the internet? If they get in front of us and tell us why we should be limiting how many people are at Thanksgiving dinner. Or, or, or to me, the craziest is the curfew. If, if you want to know one thing and have one reason not to trust anybody in charge right now, don't trust anyone that says a curfew is a good idea. Because think about what a curfew does. It tells people that all those things that you were going to do in the next 24 hours ahead of you, you got to do between 5 a.m. and 10 p.m. Which means, in a small way, but, in a, but you were doing this, you were having more people more active during 5 a.m. and 10 p.m. Which means you are increasing the likelihood they're going to come into contact with others. If there's one thing that logically would never have any impact on a virus unless it was 24-7 is a curfew. Because if you put a curfew in, you are actually making people busier when you're allowing them out, which is increasing the chances they're going to have contact with the virus. The only thing that would make sense in regards to curfew would be to not have one, <laughs> would be to tell businesses to stay open longer so they could spread out the people that come see them. But you see, you can't even have those discussions anymore because they see us as domestic animals, as pupils, as their wards. They see us as if they are our rulers. They just call themselves elected officials. There is nothing left of which we can say to them, mind your own business. Our whole lives are their business. Our whole lives are their business. If you think this is the end of something as we get these vaccines, it's the beginning. The monster has been unleashed. I was talking to a friend today, and I said, I think it began with the income tax. Before the income tax, politics really was a local thing. There wasn't much the federal government was going to come in and impact you in a way. Not much. I mean, it'd have to be a war, you know, something like the Civil War. But in general, politics was local. And if you wanted to move out to Montana and live by yourself and be alone, you could do it. And then the second 
in the early 1900s, I mean, only about 100 years ago, most of our history, there's never been an income tax. Second government did that, they took control over us. Because once they can say, however much of your income we want is ours, they have then taken control over your life. And look back on the history of it. It was a contentious argument. It went on for years. It was not popular. And now they control our lives. Now, since that point, I think the one thing that has kept government from completely taking over is kind of this abstract sense of freedom. Government shouldn't do that. And so it has been a gradual progression. And even though by any standard or measure you would use, both parties have allowed government to get bigger and more oppressive and for politicians to see us as domestic animals, as C.S. Lewis would say. They're still over here, kind of like up in the sky in the nether regions in the back of our minds, this idea we're Americans and we're free. Whatever vestiges of that were left are now gone. COVID has gotten rid of it. Rulers now see they can do whatever they want. If, if they can implement curfews, if they can tell our businesses, you know, they can do whatever they want, and there's no logic to it, and people don't call them on it. I don't want you, another thing I want you to think about when it comes to, like, masks and all that. If there was one place, if there was one place that you would want to make sure is secure and lightly visited to keep this from spreading in public, it'd be a supermarket. It's where you get your food. That's where the nature of shopping, people are grabbing things with their hands. Okay, you go into the produce section, it's this big open room, and even if you're wearing masks, you're still letting the aerosols of these flus and colds and COVID get out, and it's all over your food. And if this was truly something that, man, if you get it, you're dead. If you get it, you're going to spread it to 100 people and your town's going to be shut down. By the way, think of one business that hasn't been able to go to business because too many people were sick. It doesn't exist. This is so bad, the only thing that has put people out of business is the fear of government. But the sickness has not put anybody out of business, where too many people were sick to go to work, at least that I know of. But think about the idiocy of this, getting back to the supermarket. So if there was one place that you would think this would be most likely to be spread, the one place everybody's got to go, the one place that everything you're getting there you consume for the most part, it's a supermarket. And you would have thought, if that was the case, they would be, that would be the number one priority to make sure that that place isn't like filled with people. That you find a way to open it 24 hours, you find a way to deliver food to people, you find a way that elderly do not have to go to a grocery store. But we did none of that. Actually, we did the opposite of that. Okay, what's, what, what's the one place that throughout all of this, even here in Indiana where they just had new government restrictions. What's the one place that's allowed to have the highest percentage of people in it? A grocery store. Do you need to know any more about how serious this really is and what's behind all of it? It's control. If in, and if in 1958, C.S. Lewis was worried that there was nothing we could tell government mind our own business, what would he say today? So I just want to end with this as we approach the weekend. If you look around and you wonder, 
Is there anyone living with a freeborn mind anymore? The only correct answer to that is not very many. And if you look at the politicians and you think any of them really want less government, (laughs) you're lying to yourself. I could count on my hand, locally and nationally, the number of politicians I truly believe want less control in our lives. And ultimately, if we don't take it back, if we don't do something about it, it's going to get worse. And it will get to the point where our entire lives are their business, that they think they know better than us, that they see themselves as doing us good in spite of us. These poor little domestic animals that don't know how to be free, that don't know how to take care of themselves, that don't know how to live. Poor little animals. We got to make sure their kitties are in school and we got to make sure they have money. And they just take and they take and they take and we become less and less human. And what is the result? Just as C.S. Lewis predicted moral and psychological disasters follow. Never before have we had more depressed people. Never before has suicide been greater. Never before have there been more families that live apart from each other. Never before have we been more disconnected. Thank you, enlightened ones. Thank you, rulers. You've done such a good job. So until next time, my friends, aim high. Spread your wings and keep your eyes on the things that matter. Open your mind. Commit yourself to being a freeborn mind the way we were created to be. And fight against anyone that would take that from you. I'm your host, Siloan. Until next week, peace. You've been listening to the Pilgrim's Odyssey. Make sure you comment, share, and like this podcast so all of us together can let our light shine. For books, videos, and more content from me, your host, please visit Silouan.com. That is Silouan, S-I-L-O-U-A-N.com. Until your next visit on the Pilgrim's Odyssey, I'm your guide on life's wild ride, Silouan Green.